Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. In this episode, we'll dive into the psychology of farming and becoming a profitable farmer, diving into your mindset as the farmer, your employee's mindset, and how actually you can be farming profitable and happy at the same time and just seeing different ways of how that has worked. Talking with Dr. Kate Burke. We've had her on previously on the podcast, very in the early stages, and we welcome her back with open arms. The way that she provides value, and we thank just her, like any other guests, for giving up their time to give value back to the Farms Advice listeners. Over 11,000 monthly listening in, so it's well worth the trip. But let's just get into this episode to see what it's all about. Ready? Well, welcome back to the Farms Advice studio, Dr. Kate Burke. Great to have you in, and also an author. We touched on your book earlier. When was it when you came in? Nearly two years ago, a year and a bit or something. Yeah, it was December 2020. Jack, Great. you were in... You know it better than me. Yeah, yeah, you... Oh, I have a habit of remembering um, situations and your situation was being in hotel quarantine in Perth at Christmas time. Yeah, no, the beauties of coming back during COVID. Um, but it was also a pretty good time to catch up on everything, what's going on um, for the podcast anyway, two weeks in quarantine isn't the best thing, but if you've got something to work on, it's not too bad either. That's right. And and Farms Advice has certainly uh, evolved a lot since then. So congratulations on on um, your career evolution and also the evolution of Farms Advice. Yeah, I think it's it's come a long way since you've been on. I think we're probably around 1,500 listeners. Now it's 11,000 a month. Um, wow, that's fantastic. And... It's actually having some impact too, getting some good feedback through socials, just through a quick little survey. Have you implemented anything into your operation, your farm? And 40 people came back and said yes. So I think to get that free information across from the experts out in the paddock like yourself, um, drawing on inspirations, using it as motivations or physical sort of ag tech, getting it on farm or just an old technique is playing a huge role. And I think it's only really at the beginning as well yeah that, that's great jack and yeah i think you're like me we you know we want people to prosper more and stress less and and that's why we do what we do yeah all about those one percenters get the rest of them up as well and those probably not looking for the new information is where the podcast needs to get to that there's only 35 believe it or not that listen to podcasts in agriculture i believe that 
So getting that other 70% to look for new information proves pretty vital to, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's probably that makes sense because um in terms of return on investment when you look at a set of data, usually sort of twenty to thirty percent are actually performing um financially twice as well as yep. as the remainder. So there's this huge opportunity for the majority to, you know, improve just a little bit and make if they want to and yep. make a um huge difference to their lives and, and to their paddocks and to them to um their bank account. Yeah, so then over the last couple of weeks, probably the theme of who I've been talking to have sort of suggested it all starts with mindset within farming, getting your mind right, um, having that time with family and everything, but also then getting into farming and taking a back seat and then coming into it and just see what you can sort of operate a little bit better. Um, it gives you the time and the ability to have that overall view of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'd concur with that. And I guess um, it's a real challenge like it's easy to say harder to do yeah um and and because we get we get you know i think i talked about it last time i, I sort of talk about four thinking landscapes or four mindsets that we can be in at um you know from time to time i talk about talk about them as the paddocks and and grounded is is what you're describing there where you know you've got a a good balance of being able to think logically, um, being able to get the work done and, and feeling satisfied. Um, most of us, though, are probably in our heads and that's where we're, we're still really productive and often the high-performing farms that I deal with and people I deal with are in their heads because they do get everything done and they work really hard and they're constantly thinking Um but they're actually quite stressed yeah. and, and, and they are, you know, we're giving up family time um, and things like that. And, you know, with just a few tiny tweaks, they could um, get the best of both worlds. And then there's the other two landscapes. Um, the swamp is where you're not probably being as productive as, as you need to be. And you're also unsatisfied and, and it's okay to, fall into the swamp every now and then when things aren't going right, um, it's pretty normal. But I guess we just need to be conscious of if we're in the swamp for too long, that's where we need to reach out and um, perhaps get some professional assistance. Yeah. And then the other one that often I can you can I see a bit is what I call in the clouds and that's where, you know, feel we've convinced ourselves that everything's okay. Um, we're actually not that productive and or profitable, but we're not seeing um, our view of the world's not as real as as what's going on. Um, you know, so that might be, yeah, and often that occurs in in challenging times um, and and not wanting to face reality or not wanting to deal with tricky issues like yeah. succession, for example. Yeah, very tricky coming up, um, dealing with it ourselves as well, um, which gives me sort of good feedback as well to roll it out on the podcast. Um, I think a lot of farming families are coming across that. But backstepping, how do people identify if they're up in the clouds, in the swamps, like you suggested before? Are clients coming to you when they feel overloaded or they feel like they've, their operation's amazing when probably in real reality it's not really? Oh, look, it comes out in conversation usually. Yeah. Um, I think awareness is the first thing. So when I've ran workshops, you know, one of the one of the things I do is is run a workshop called Grounded Thinking, and and in that process, um, you know, I talk about the landscapes and and people tend to identify when they feel you know, straight away once you sort of put it in plain language rather than in sort of mental health clinical language, um, straight away they go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've been there or, you know, when, when this happens I get 
like this. So it's self-awareness is the start. And I guess that's a part of you know, emotional intelligence is understanding yourself first and, and how you behave. And sometimes the other thing in family discussions, like when we're starting a succession process, for example, or a strategy process, you know, some of the conflict comes out or or just different different opinions and that's where, you know, there might be a bit of behaviour that's um, identified by one party that um, and and we talk that through. So, you know, an example of that might be um, um, the, the dad of the operation, you've got another party coming along and... Um, and 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 the dad's used to doing his own thing and yep. not necessarily communicating to the rest of the family and and that might you know and that when that gets talked about you sort of people start to realize or or they become more aware of their own behavior yeah and how, how does that come up in conversation though is it just within the family group dad you're being a bit of a pain in the ass um there's a lot of probably stubborn farmers out there everyone sort of knows and th there may be a couple tuning in both young or old um about they actually have been on the land running their own operation for so long how are we actually flipping that over and getting others involved in that communication to see and how we can run these operations a little bit better yeah um often how it comes out so part of how i sort of run my process is I, I do individual coaching sessions as well as group discussion within a, a business. Yeah. And and often when I'm having those individual You're back, Jack. What? What's going on? What am I doing again? She's there. Right. There you go, mate. You there? Yeah, you dropped out. Yeah, I just had to check out. It's actually air internet now, I found out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, because your, your face froze for the last couple of minutes and... Yeah, so do you just want to pick off, um, start off where you left off just then, where we left yeah, off? Yeah, 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 talking about family conversations, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so when I do um, you know, do family strategy or, or farm business strategy, one of the things I do is is have individual coaching sessions with, as well as, as group discussion and yeah. And often, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one situation, people will sort of raise their worries and, and their dissatisfactions and, and sometimes they might be looking externally when they're chatting away, you know, saying, oh, well, I want to do this, but, you know, dad won't let me or mum won't let me or, oh, we, we just don't think the the young couple are committed and, you know, we have these sort of conversations and then I often I can... I'll put it back on the individual and say, yeah, but what's your part in this? You know, what's your behaviour? So it's usually through directed questioning that that self-awareness come, comes up. And, yeah. um, and, then, and then, you know, depending on the family dynamic, some families get on really well and can have pretty frank conversations that have a, that are constructive yeah. and, and in that case, you know, I, I sat through an amazing conversation once where they were talking about each other in front of each other and the person who would be getting spoken about was just sitting there listening, taking it all in, not defending themselves. Yeah. And and it was a pretty amazing sort of dynamic. Like it was really impressive. And you can see that that family, like they're all... 12 months down the track, you can see they're really working hard to um, be their best selves and, and bring their best selves into the business. Yeah, I think 
probably getting around that as the family dynamic may change over time as well um, and having that communication loop open as well within the family plays an important role in that. Is that what you've seen with a few clients as well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and if they can do that, you know, with without any external assistance, that's fantastic. Um, and it sometimes for, you know, deep, deep, deep reasons and I guess generations of of um, finding communication difficult, um, they, they can't express themselves adequately without, you know, someone else helping them to do that. And I guess that's where the likes of myself and other facilitators come in to, to help that process. Good stuff. And I actually labelled this episode to how to maximise our profits in 2022. Do you think it comes down to that communication loop, being in touch with your people, whoever it may be, employees, family, at home, on the farm, and that's where it sort of all starts? Yeah, it does. It does. Because you, you need, well, you've still got to get the work done. Yep. Um, so I guess, you know, back to the premise of the book that, the way to prosper more and worry less is to be good at all three of productivity, um, finance, profit-focused, and and people, including yourself, um, those close to you and those you you do business with, and and taking control and you know and not blaming others and things like that. So, so it does start with with the people, with, yep. um, but it's certainly also the, one of the people aspects is just having the motivation and the discipline to um, push the boundaries in difficult times to get the work done. So, an, an example of that I mentioned um, before we started that one of the topics of conversation is footy finals around here. Um, it's that time of year in in spring, and and last weekend um, I was heading off to the Wimmera League Grand Final, which is over over at, at Horsham, and there was rain coming on the Saturday, and the guys that um, you know guys that were playing in the Grand Final were out spreading urea on um, on Friday to get it done before the the game or or you know spraying crops and things like that and it would have been easily easy to get distracted yeah. given given the events of the weekend and and it's just going to those little efforts to get things done on time that um you know really make a difference in in productivity and and which then leads on to profitability yeah and hey, what sort of um processes would you put in to improve our own time management as farmers for those out there that are probably a bit poorer on their time management skills it's always good to lift those ones up and look at how the top tier is sort of doing it how are your clients or how are your the non-clients out there listening in um, how could they sort of start to develop their own time management um, put in some blocks just to make sure they are getting the work done they're having time to look back on the operation as well How's that work? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, and and you know, even in my own business, um, I I constantly find find it a challenge, yep. um, to to manage time, and I reckon manage managing time's probably a bit of a oxymoron, um, because there's only twenty four hours in a day, um, so it's you know we talk about our profit limiting factors, and we talk about you know, water, in this yep. case, it's too much for for um a lot of your your uh, people and 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 neighbours and peers and and the New South Wales listeners. Um, you know, we talk about um uh money, capital being a limiting factor. We talk about all these things, but often we underestimate the value of time. Yep. And we, I think it starts. It starts in being aware of how we use our time and what we talking about self awareness and and what are the you know what are the profit making jobs so is um 
going and, um, you know, tidying the workshop. Um, you know, it, it helps efficiency and all those sorts of things, but tidying the workshop on a wet day versus actually sitting down and doing some number crunching on a wet day about um, whether you should be buying a million-dollar Agrifax sprayer or perhaps a $650,000 something or other. Yeah. Um, that's probably going to be better for your business in the long term than than tidying the workshop. And yeah. t- but you know, tidying the workshop is also is probably a bit of a therapeutic thing and yeah. and almost like mindfulness, a bit like me, you know, one of my I need to tidy things up so I can think straight and work straight too. But and I guess another example might be um you know, um, making stuff out of um, IBCs or, or shuttles on a wet day, you know, building a new um, dog kennel or or um, a new wood wood pile um, cover upper. To me, those things are Sunday afternoon jobs. Like they're not yeah. they're not work. They're not money making jobs, and. And there is a tendency to, um, and this is probably the one of the biggest thing, differences I see between those that are doing well financially as well as productively is that they view office work as work. Yeah. Rather than this, you know, anything inside is is um, is is not work. And outside jobs are work, or workshop jobs are work. I think just having a more mature outlook about the size of the business you're running, and that it does need, you know, some some attention to detail um, on the number side of things, and being mature about that is is a is is a big um, game changer, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. And I've actually had that conversation recently just to see how we can work a little bit better on our own farm. Um, but I'd imagine right across Australia it'd be the same sort of thing playing out. As soon as it's wet in the sheds, fixing up something, working on the mechanics, welding, whatever. I was actually doing it yesterday. It was pissing down rain. Um, and I hope your dad was in the office doing a little bit all with himself. Um, but how? what sort of tools can we look into or how should we be working this? Is like setting up Gmail, and actually blocking out, I've been looking into blocking out times where you put effort in for two, three hours into work outside or whatever. Should we be working to that sort of realm or how does it work um, uh, or should we even be doing this? I think it's um, I think it comes down to the individuals because we all have yeah. different working styles. Yeah. So I'm, you know, my Linda, my business manager, listens to this, um, she'll get the giggles because I'm notorious at, at ignoring my calendar, as, <laughs> as, you found, as you found out this morning, Jack. Yeah. Um, so blocking it, I find it difficult to block out times. Yeah. But, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the farmers and families I work with are fairly intuitive, so they're probably a bit the same, that they, they manage their time in their head. Um. But if you can get into the discipline of starting to use a calendar, particularly when there's multiple people in the business, yeah, I, I think that does help. Um, the other thing that I've found useful in in working with groups is just to help with accountability is just using WhatsApp and yeah. having group WhatsApp and communicating by, by that rather than, than text. So that everyone sees the messages, um, you know what's going on. So you know the traditional sort of Sunday afternoon phone call, or back in the day when I was growing up, it would have been you know the discussion after the the Sunday roast um, about what what needs to be done and who's doing what. You know, you, you can use things like WhatsApp to 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 improve that and. And most of the people like you that have come back to the farm businesses, you are used to having yeah. some structured communication. Yeah. And and I really think that um, 
the older jet your like your folks generation so you know my peers out in farmland probably do need to respect that a bit more and and um and be willing you know to give up 15 minutes on a monday morning to have a quick discussion and yeah and keep it business like and you know leave the banter for later and um and and that 15 minutes will set up the rest of the week so businesses that do that and have been doing that for years tend to get a lot done and 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 it becomes more efficient yeah yeah i think if you look to plan um whatever that qu- quote is planning to fail i can't remember off the top of my head but planning that 10 minutes each day just to plan out your day whatever the tasks are um if there's no no tasks just to go make sure you're doing those maintenance jobs or the ones that are going to make a difference your sheep are escaping or doing a crop check bug checking whatever sort of crop you got in at that stage um making the high profit sort of levers first off and then going back to the drawing board after. Yeah. And, and I think when there's multi-generation little stuff, like the, the older generation will intuitively know what needs to be done. And, and, um, you know, depending on the weather in the last few days or if they've been looking at the, at the markets, um, you know, and and looking at spreads or things or, or spotting spikes, they'll, they'll intuitively know where their attention needs to be. Yeah. The trick is communicating that and to everybody else and actually communicating the why um, and taking the time to to explain. And 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 that's sometimes where the tension can occur. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes I find sort of and and in most cases it's the older male um, feels like they're getting ganged up on a bit by you know their their female partner and and the younger generation because they're sort of all of a sudden they're for the first time for probably thirty years they're they're um, being questioned and being made accountable and and they don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is different. It's change and whatever is coming, but it's inevitable as well for the younger generation um, coming back to the farm and seeing how it can be run, not always better, but differently. Obviously, people don't operate the same in their own mind um, and you're going to have that slight change. So stopping those sort of disagreements, I suppose, rather than having it blow up something unnecessarily about just different ways of thinking. Yeah, yeah, and that and that requires a bit of respect and patience yeah. on on both sides. So, uh, the older generation needs to respect that you know this young whippersnapper is keen and brings a, a skill set that's equally as important as the practical skill set that that um, they might have or their workmen might have. Yeah. Um, and it takes uh, patience on the whippersnappers' um, point of view, you know, a bit of patience, tolerance and understanding is something that um, one younger generation farmer who's, you know, been home quite a few years now and who was asked in a forum or he and his wife were, were asked in a forum, um, you know, if if they could go back ten years, you know, what would they do differently in, in how they sort of manage the dynamic? And uh and, and he said um patience, tolerance and understanding. Yeah. Um which is challenging because we all just want to get on with the job and you know, it's and the younger you are, the easier oh, actually I think it works on both sides, but um, I was going to say the younger you are, the more right you think you are. But um, I suppose the I'd more agree you, with that. <laughs> the the more years you have under under your belt, and the more understanding and the more seasons that you refer to, you you become more sure of yourself too. Yep. So you've got whippersnapper over here just thinking they're right because they're you know the Dunning Kruger effect of um, um, not knowing what you don't know and then you've got um 
old mate over here and old mum over here who have 40 years under their belt and 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 a fair bit of wisdom and then somewhere in the middle is um is the meeting point do you think the older generation's probably more risk averse they've come through droughts floods pouring rains and everything in between frost biting all their crops um and there's just sort of leveling the playing field just to manage that as well rather than getting too far ahead of themselves the young person comes back on farm they're like shit let's go we've got some leverage behind us let's go expand everything and then yet yeah, two years later they may be in drought and un- unable to make repayments or may may not be to that um grand aspect of it but a bit smaller do you think that's a little bit of the case I, I, I see that. I, I see two things. Like I see all, you know, all sorts of permutations and combinations play out. And and one is the younger generation comes home and if the business is in a pretty good spot, um, the older generation might be very happy to give the younger generation their head. And, and quite often they want to, you know, upgrade all the machinery and make things more efficient and rally, rally, rah, next minute, you know, the blink of an eye, there's $2 million being spent and there's a hell of a lot of machinery repayments and um, three or four years down the track after a few challenging seasons, you know, the net worth hasn't actually increased at all. Yeah. It's all getting chewed up in depreciation and, and machinery payments and then there's a bit of a light bulb moment of like, oh, oh, okay. So that's one thing I try and help people avoid. Um, I sort of, you know, don't be indulgent with your kids. Um, yeah. And then then I see, you know, the best case scenario is where you get the mix right of of, um, of giving some of those new ideas a go, but at the same time being mindful of the risks. And, and that's where a plan can really help and, you know, it seems to be a dirty word, um, business plan in, in some farming circles. And and a plan to me doesn't need to be a a 20-page fancy-looking document that looks like a KPMG brochure. Um, you can do a plan on the back of a beer box. Like a plan is yeah. just articulating and agreeing what's important to you, what you'd like to achieve by when, and how you're going to get there. And so if that puts an order of, you know, having a CapEx plan that works towards an ideal kit of machinery or works towards some ideal infrastructure improvements um, and prioritises, say, land expansion over um, over some of those other things, if, if the end, end game is to double the size of the farm so you know, two or three families can make a go of it. Yeah. That that can have, you know, it's just um so life changing for people to actually articulate and put on paper where they want to be in five years' time. Yeah, I think from one sentence to twenty pages, whatever it may be for your family, from the carton of beer, writing it down is probably the best thing to do. I think it makes people excited, whether you're young or old, about a goal. The goal yeah. of your workshop, you've, you've just sold your fat lambs for a great price and now you can get your workshop in um, and making those timely decisions to go in with your financial year to make them a bit more timely and benefiting the business as well. I think, and that goal of improving your livestock sale, your crops yield for 22, 23, um, and working towards that together, you don't have, and you sort of know what you're leading to as all employees mm. within the family as well. Um, and as a young person, that is what gets you excited to that expansion or even optimization of your your farm to improve your own production. I think that's pretty cool and needs to be done on every farm just to get people excited rather than just turning over the same thing every year. We've actually had the same income since 2000 to 2015, 2020 or whatever. Um, but things are changing, inflation's, increased over the years as well so probably moving that figure up as well as it goes um i'm no financial advisor or farm advisor (laughs) myself but i think that's the way 
it shapes up just to get people more excited within the game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And 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 you come away from a a planning session, you know, you can feel a bit exhausted, particularly if it's been one where everything's just, you know, there's been these massive brain dumps and yeah. um and some tricky things to to sort through. But when you cut it back to a small table that might have half a dozen priorities and goals on it and and uh who needs to do what, you know, it, it does fire people up and and it's even more I've sort of been in this game now seven years and had a meeting the other day with a, a family that started working with me in 2015 and to look at um what they've achieved in the last seven years, you know, they've more than exceeded their goals. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. It's really cool. Once they've exceeded them, do they set new ones or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So so I guess things evolve. Um, and one of the things I don't think we address um or acknowledge enough when we're talking about business planning in the family context and yeah. and and the intergenerational context is is the individual circumstances of of the people within the business are still at flux um quite often so you know you might be on the front foot and jack you might ring me up and say oh look you know you want to come and have a chat to us um and you know you might be 45 and and your kids are are in their early 20s um but they might not be partnered up yet or um might still have a you know they might never partner up or they might still have a desire to go overseas and and you're you're 45 so you've sort of got another 20 years left in you yeah before you want to even slow down so well, it's good to start those conversations. It's it's difficult when all the the final circumstances there's so many unknowns. Yeah. So it's not just as simple as building out a few business structures and creating family trusts and um making sure there's a nest egg at the end and some you know enough to pay for the aged care bond and sort of pat yourselves on the back and then go back to the you know day-to-day -day of not communicating well, <laughs> it's, um, it's actually trickier than that. So that's where I think annually these yeah. things need to change and certainly where we started on that particular um, seven years ago and how it's panning out now, you know, think, things aren't exactly what we thought they were going to be. Um, yeah, so... So the short answer to your question in terms of starting up another set of goals, it really depends on the stage. And, and yes, there might be new goals, but it might be if they've been through a rapid expansion phase, the goal might just be consolidation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's an important way to put it as well. And now, now you've got the expansion, maybe you've landed your neighbour's block or across the road further along and optimising that to improve yeah. that working on your yields, um, getting down to sort of every hectare, every acre, um, how you can prove that. Whether you're from livestock, even horticulture in a shed, you just bought out a new shed. Um, we've got a few more hort listeners as well, so we've got to adapt to yeah. what they're doing. But coming broad acre, livestock is the predominant of what the listeners and the area they come from. Um, and just sort of utilising that just so, and also aligning that with sustainability going forward. How can you be more sustainable financially within your paddocks, environmentally, um, and how how can those two sort of work together as well? And that that's right. And and the haughty listeners know this more than anyone in terms of being cognizant to um, consumer expectations yeah. and, and social license to farm. I think that's an area where, you know, we're talking about sort of I guess um, changing attitudes and and mindsets. I think the the mindset around ESG issues, so environmental, social, and governance issues of of um, some of our family farms, 
um, is, is is an important next step. Yeah. Um, and it's not about. Uh, I, I guess it's it's about sort of having an expansive mindset rather than shutting down and being being fearful. Yeah. Um, and and having an accepting mindset, like there's no right or wrong. It's just that our mindset of the past of farmers being in one corner and everyone else being in the other corner, um, it's actually not a particularly helpful mindset. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's too much at risk now. Like if you're, you know, if you're sitting on a enterprise that's uh, land alone's north of ten million, um, and and in some cases, you know, well, well north of that, there's a lot at stake if if you um, inadvertently break the rules or or somebody has an accident on your place or you know. A, patch of native vegetation um goes missing and you're made accountable for that like it's it's um you don't want it you just don't want to be in that situation no i think there's a lot that plays into it about coming from mindset where we spoke about first off and then going into finding out more about the operation and probably more so your people of where and how everyone's aligned coming into the farm whether you've expanded looking to expand coming back to optimise and consolidate what you're working on. Um, I think it's a great mix and just probably that general conversation, quite casual, just like what we're having to open it up for those family farmers. Younger kids have come back um, to the farm. The average age of that's 27, coming back to the farm. And that's probably a good stage where you've got your head sort of screwed on a bit better than when you're at your party years of hitting 21, (laughs) 22, want to go to the pub every Thursday after footy training. Yeah, nothing wrong with going to the pub after three training. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right, and and there's that maturity aspect, and everyone's. That's what I enjoy about my role is seeing, seeing all the different combinations and and the different levels of maturity. Um, yeah. and so what might be, what might be the right timing for one business in terms of transferring responsibility or transferring assets won't be the right time for another because no. of the levels of maturity of the, the individuals. And yeah. you mentioned before about what each person brings um, to the to the business and and a lot of that's values-based. And, and one exercise I think that, that works is understanding what I call personal operating system or, or the values that, that drive you and... And it really helps if if um, if the people in the business do a really small but like quick values exercise uh, where you know you might just mention a series of words and and which ones of those are the most important to you um, and that's where you know environment might come up more for the younger generation than it did for the older generation or or family might come up more for for mum in the older generation then and production might come up more for for um those that spend more of their time out in the paddocks and some yeah. might money might be more important to others and that's that explains the difference in spending attitudes and yeah so I've I've found taking people through a values exercise um really useful stepping stone that sort of that pulls a few bricks out of that that barrier to change yeah i think just taking it back and getting it down on a piece of paper there you look like you've got a few whiteboards behind you that you drop some notes down for work yeah yeah that's a good way as well just to get everyone on the same playing field anyway absolutely and um you know i'm a bit old school um i often take um uh i buy those sheets of um of uh poster size um wall charts or sticky yep. notes and and just whack them on the wall and you know let it sort of try and write down what people are saying as we're doing it and um and and it just makes a difference when people do see sitting up there that you know these are the things that we've all said are important to us but these are the the one the bits that we see differently yeah it'll be those bits that you see differently will 
always be the things that that um where the conflict comes from yeah yeah absolutely well i think it's been great to touch on everything like this i think a fair few people will get a little bit out of this but i want to get into yourself kate actually now that we've got a few more listeners out there on the platforms um it'd be great to get a bit of an introduction to what think agri is how you became um an author of a book and where that's panned you out so What's Think Agri and what are you doing within agriculture? Yeah, so so Think Agri is um yeah, it's my my trading business. Yeah. I I guess. And and as I mentioned before, we're on a mission to help people on farms prosper more and worry less. And and also people within the supply chain. So I really focus on putting those lenses of people, production and profit across any problem that I'm asked to help people solve yeah. and, and and connecting the dots for them so that they can see how it's all integrated. Um, so I'm on a mission to do that. I do that through some individual business, farm business work and I and, um, also work in, in the broader corporate farm business as well because they have the same issues it's just that they're not always related to each other but they still yeah. have those same person personnel issues um and and they're probably under more pressure because the accountability to make money is stronger for them if they're using someone else's money to, to run the farm um yeah i wrote the book and and i the extension from the book is a newsletter called Think Agri Real Insights. It's a subscription product, um, and that's what I'm really keen on on developing more now. And so with that, I'm sort of writing three articles every six weeks or so and then recording them in audio form as well as digital because people like to listen to stuff, as you know, yeah. and people can pay a subscription to, to get that landed in their in their mar box and, yeah. and I just see it's um I can make a difference to individuals, um, you know, really big difference to the individuals I work with, but I think I can have an even bigger impact across the industry through through this service as, as well. Yeah, it goes a lot further. You can only speak to one person or one family at a time, one corporate farmer at a time as well. So I think really in the world that we're into now, digital, we're all going sort of digital anyway, and it could work really well for you and anyone else out there. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for your your support because um, it's something I'm quite passionate about, and and I'm really enjoying this post COVID phase or post the worst of COVID phase where I can get out and about again. I've been uh, yeah. on stage a bit, doing some keynotes and and running some leadership workshops with. You know, just um, guest speaking at, at various leadership programs and um, that sort of thing, and I really enjoy that. I just love meeting people, and you know, if I can help one person listens to this and makes a tiny change in their way that they operate, that makes a massive change for themselves, and that's that's what I'm about. Absolutely, a couple of feel goods there. Um, in it as well for you and also the farmer on the back end of it, a bit of a win-win situation if you've taken a farmer through successfully looking about their operation coming back to the people within it and it also looking at themselves to see how they can improve both personally and professionally on farm oh absolutely absolutely and um yeah and it, you know get some feedback um recently of one business and they said look they they wouldn't they feel like they wouldn't be able to navigate this intergenerational stuff um without having me there i'm sure they they could yeah. you know i'm sure there's plenty of other people that can do what i do but it is nice to hear that you're you're having an impact and that you can and, and you can see the impact in in people's behavioral change so that's that's pretty cool and um and even for those getting the uh, just subscribe to the newsletter getting um, some feedback that you know they sit in the tractor and they'll save up a few episodes and then listen to them when they're in the tractor and it just keeps them thinking and keeps them honest and 
and it um keeps yeah. them on the bit of a motivational loop i th feel um rather than just going in for one one off meeting and then you're sort of accountable by on your own out in the yeah. track like shit i actually i forgot to do that i'll do that this week and get back into it maybe it's into the books or seeing what parts of land you should be looking at next or if you should be even yeah that that's right and um some of the other feedback that's been pretty cool is on the book itself yep. um, and from various generations so it's been really nice when sort of the the elders of our our industry like you know people in their 80s and 90s have read the book and and come back and said oh I think you've summarized the complexities and nuances of farming really yep. well and you know every young farmer should have this in in their in their car or their um in their ute or in the office that that's been pretty cool um and it sort of makes me think right oh I'm on the right track here just got to um hopefully get get the messages from the book in into more ears and and eyes and yeah we've got an audio version of the book now so that's been the Beauty. most exciting development I guess since you and I spoke last time yeah I think we need more books like this when like I go on Amazon I get my books from um, they don't really need a plug but all the farming sort of books are textbooks like versions they're thick as anything as wide as anything and doesn't really come down to those sort of non-fiction business type savvy management looking at how you can improve your farm um, rather than just saying this is a sheet this is a crop like they're the sort of books that are out there and I think your book which you actually haven't plugged it it is crops people money and you um, for anyone out there looking for a great read I think it's one especially coming from Australia most of the time if we're looking for books they're They've come from America or they may be English and those farms over there are totally different. Yeah, thanks, Jack. And I guess that's why I wrote it because I I felt the same frustration all through my career when I was sort of trying to find a really good reference book. You just couldn't. They were either textbooks, as you say, and bits of those are terrific. Like I've, I've got quite a few sitting behind me. Or they were sort of lifestyle farming books and... Yeah. And sometimes the lifestyle farming books are they're well intentioned, but but they're not particularly profit focused. And um, and I've seen you know people try to adapt methods from lifestyle farming books on a broad scale, and and um, the results financially have, have been fairly horrendous. And and you know so you've got to be really careful about that. And. And the other source of information that I found most um, useful, I guess, through through my consulting years was often the newsletters and insights from other consultants that not everyone had access to. Yep. And so one of the motivations for putting the newsletter together was, you know, to create a relatively low cost but up-to-date sort of modern um, analysis of 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 business and current situations yeah so that you know they're, they're the motivations behind the two products i guess yeah and i think they work quite well into each other as well long burning and also sort of evergreen um which is what mm. the farm survives podcast is all about not giving those updates of shit 60 mils coming tomorrow better get prepared mm. but in the long term how can we better prepare for these rainfall events, that sort of way going down um, to make those sort of long, long decisions. Yeah, yeah, and that that they're the types of things I've tried to cover. Oh, I touched on that a little bit in the book, but um, certainly in the in the newsletter, you know, thinking three or four months ahead, saying, okay, yeah. well, we're in what I call a climate mood A year, which is Indian Ocean dipole negative and La Nina. Uh, it looks like this is going to be here for for X number of months. What do you need to think about in spring? What do you need to think about at harvest? Um, you know, for the hoardy people, how's this going to impact on the quality of your product? Yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then just having that foresight so you can get yourself organised and, and get over the fear. And often we're talking before about landscapes and being in the clouds. 
it's often fear that gets us in the clouds because we don't yeah. want to think about we we think that if we think about an adverse outcome that it might happen yeah and and that's not the case it's just about what you know edward the bono said we just need to be prepared for various outcomes and and then we're organized to match that outcome yeah yeah beautifully put and i think people will gather a few great key takeaways in this episode um, and how they'll do that and maybe implement a few ideas into their own operation just to make their day-to-day operation flow that little bit better, working with the people, working with your own mindset and going forth. I think it's a great conversation to have with yourself but with your people on farm, whether it's family, corporate, however it works. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Um, Yeah, that's the aim of the game. Prosper more and worry less. Absolutely. So for yourself, what are you most excited about in the next five years, going on that five-year average? Well, personally, I suppose I'm excited about getting to that stage um, of life where you've got a few more choices um, and and probably getting a little bit more into our own personal farming. We bought um, a small farm a couple of years ago, 116 hectares. It's just a a cropping, a broadacre block, and we've got share farmers on that. I'd like to, to see... If there's more opportunities, you get a crop in for this year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and wait, it's a these moo day years for us are, are um fantastic. So yeah. while you know up your way, you're in a lot of pain. We're actually uh, in our part of the world and across to the Wimmera. You know these are the years that, that you probably got the opportunity to to produce twice as much as you normally would. So yeah. um, it's a bit exciting. It's our first wheat crop, so to just stand in your own wheat crop and have it rustling against your knees is pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's good. On an industry level, um, oh, I'm really excited. I, I think to I'm thinking electric vehicles, I'm thinking um, more automation and autonomy. Yeah. I sort of feel like we're at the next big, you know, the the really big thing on Broadacre was GPS and and auto steer. Like that that created a lot of opportunities back. We're having these conversations 20 years ago and most people were sort of implementing them in the mid-2000s. And then connectivity and the fact you could stand out in the field now and do a recommendation and it pings off to someone else. You know, they were sort of the the game changers. I think the next game changers will be um, changing the source of our energy and 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 um, where autonomy and robotics might take us. So I'm I'm really excited to see where all that goes. Yes, Leah, I'm keen to look into how everyone sort of establishes their own smart farm, whether that smart farm definition changes for a lot of farmers as it will um how much they take on board but believe it or not we actually got auto steer for the first time as stockies this year mm. and we couldn't get a crop in i was devastated yeah yeah that that's right that's that's um <laughs> yeah that's of the all the irony, years we picked it? it um but hopefully you can dry out we'll put some millet or something coming up into summer um for fodder as well so should all pan out, hopefully, but we just need to dry out a little bit. A few more sunny days, not less rainy days, but just more sun, I think we need. The way you word it makes all the matter. Yes, yes, I, I think you're right there. And um, and I think in, just in life, you know, when, when I'm talking about automation and robotics, I think we've underinvested in, in livestock infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, it, it is lacking behind. I feel behind cropping, broadacre, horticulture, and everything like that. Yeah, I think the stuffs. It looks like the stuffs there, like the really well set up farms. Have yeah. got you know those elevated, those sort of races that push the livestock along, and they'll they'll just make anything that makes work easier. Yeah, to me is is a no brainer. And if you can go to the sheep yards and don't have to say the f bomb as much. Yeah, that's got to be good on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. We used to drench our sheep in the race 
fashion our knees. We've got Dorpers, so they bash bash your knees pretty well. And now we've got a um, hydraulic lift, and some may look at it as a bit slower, but overall, um, across the year, it's so much quicker, and you're not bashed up after the day. Um, and you can go straight back into drenching for the next day, or go do your own activities, whatever it may be, a little less sore as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That that manual, or cheaper. So in in even in the the farming businesses that I'm involved in, where eighty percent of the income might come from cropping, that twenty percent of income that comes from sheep and the risk benefits, risk yeah. management benefits they bring. You know, it's so important and, and it makes sense to to make it easier to work with and more in, more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, and especially the younger ones coming back now are probably wanting to bring these ideas in and that the older farmers, both male and female, are probably, shit, we should have had this 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And there's no – and I guess that's the other thing I'm excited about is seeing more women – playing an active role in in the business so there's a lot yeah. more young women coming home onto farms um i think we've still got a long way to go on that in terms of how we how we socialize our kids and and enthuse them you know give the little boys a tractor and the little girl gets a doll um yeah. well what if the little girl wants to go out and have a look at the farm as well you know yeah. we sort of we've still got a long way to go in terms of being open minded about the possibilities for farming when it comes to gender, but there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, hundred percent. Even George the farmer will give them a plug. I met her the other day, the author. Um, George the farmer, and I think they they brought in Ava the farmer as well. So now got both. So there's opportunities out there for everyone within agriculture. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm pleased. I hadn't met Ava the farmer before, so I'm pleased to. I'll, know I'll have to look that up. What it is? It may not be Ava, but there is a female, yeah, cool. a girl version coming out. Um out currently anyway well Kate oh, it's been it's gonna been amazing to sit down we could talk forever about mindset yeah, we could. We farming could, and how you can benefit each other out there but your work that you're doing at Think Agri um your book there crops people money and you you being the farmer at the other end of this podcast and how that sort of will help your operation or just even use it as motivation to move forward how can people contact yourself at Think Agri if they're looking to book a meeting or if they ever want to talk a little bit about the book even. Yeah, so so the easiest way to do that is just jump on the website, yep. uh, thinkagri.com.au, and there's a, a page where you can make contact yep. um, or you can grab my phone number off the website. Uh, and, and there's also on, on that website, there's the opportunity to direct purchase the, the book and mm-hmm. and also go to the um all the usual platforms for the audio book you know amazon audible etc and and all those directions are on the website and for think agri real insights or tari again on the website there's a a registration space or a a space there for for people that can so they can get a sample and have a look and you can also download a sample of the book from the website as well yeah so that's uh um, yeah, that's the best way to get get hold of me or and keep an eye out on socials. Um, usually pretty active on on Twitter mainly. Yeah, t- Twitter's a good one and ever growing for farmers for ideas and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. And, and I guess you know, love everyone out there to stay inspired. Um, choose to be inspired rather than intimidated, and and um, have a happy farming life. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of topics that we can cover off. We'll have to get them on the next episodes with yourself, Kate, Dr. Kate Burke. Thank you very much for joining me into the virtual studio. Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate um, your support and the opportunity to have a chat. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Virtualize Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming.
In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Ice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.